Listeners, I know that you sometimes feel like your home is bursting with the boundless energy of your boys. Mine has been for a very long time. We want to tell you about Home Threads, where style meets the wild adventures of raising boys. At HomeThreads.com, you can find a collection of uh, furniture and home accessories designed to meet the needs of your growing boy family. They have everything from durable bunk beds to upscale gaming tables. You can turn your home into an attractive, durable playground, believe it or not. Uh, Janet and I both love their baking dishes. Solid, beautiful, functional. Anything you need for your home, you can likely find on homethreads.com, and we have a discount code for you. Go to homethreads.com slash onboys. You can get a code for 15% off your first order, because every leap, laugh, and loud moment deserves a space that embraces the chaos with style. Home Threads, love where you live. Hello, and welcome to On Boys, real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men, the podcast that explores and explains boy behavior. We're your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison. Join us as we discuss some of the most compelling issues facing boys today. Our goal is to equip you with the information and support you need to help today's boys grow into healthy, happy men. Do you worry about the quality of your boy's diet? I do. My third son, Adam, stopped drinking milk when he was two. We learned later that he's lactose intolerant. And for years, even now, his primary food group is popcorn. I worry about his nutritional intake and I thought about giving him vitamins, but I was not thrilled with what I saw out there. So many vitamins for kids are filled with sugar and unhealthy chemicals, and they're based on out-of-date nutritional guidelines from the 1980s. I wish Haya vitamins had been around then. We recently got some samples of Haya and these are different. They are made from a blend of 12 farm fresh organic fruits and veggies, and they don't contain any of the sugar and gummy junk that your kids don't need. My Adam is now 17, so he's a little old for chewable vitamins, but I gave him some anyway, and he gives Haya a thumbs up. I'm so glad that they tested them. We did too, because we're not going to promote anything that we haven't tried. And we've worked out an exclusive offer with Haya Health for these best-selling children's vitamins. This is just for you, our On Boys podcast listeners. Receive 50% off your first order. So to claim this deal, you must go to hayahealth.com slash onboys. H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash on boys and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. That is HayaHealth.com slash on boys and that full discount will be applied at checkout. And let us know how your kids like their new vitamins. 
I don't think anything has caused me more confusion in my life than teenage boys. When I was a teenage girl, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what they were thinking and why they were doing what they were doing. And now that I am an adult female, a mother, I have teenage boys of my own, I realize that all of the things that I thought they were thinking, I was way off on. And I have all kinds of other questions about teenage boys. I am not alone in this. Janet, we have both heard so many questions from parents, from families about their teenage boys lately. They are definitely a puzzle, a mystery, a consternation, a enigma, all of the things. Big words. I love I them. know. This early in the morning, too. How about I that? I love it. It's and all those things. And, you know, and there's probably some four-letter words in there, too, but I will not mention those this morning. But we're, they're we're gonna, frustrating. And it, yes, they're adorable. I mean, I was just out at the lake this last weekend, and I always love kind of eavesdropping on kids and their conversations and and these boys were a a more toward the tween age but they're hysterical they are hysterical the new word apparently i did not know this is hella like that's hella great that's hella this that's hella that oh please oh wait 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 stop Stop, Janet, stop, because I know our other teen moms are laughing at you too right now. You are so behind. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No. (laughs) Yes, you are. Well, I will say in this group of boys in Portland, Oregon, on that day, that was the word of the day. Whether it's a new word or an old word. That yes. was the word of the day, the, very much used that day. So, and they have ahead. their own language, yes, their own way do. of interacting, their own way of being, and it's it is a kind of adorable to watch, isn't it's it? It's totally adorable, but I don't have to live with them, so you know, yes, yeah, yes. <laughs> and I think one of the reasons that the teenage boy stage is so tough for those of us who love them is because we know how important it all is, right? Like when our kids get to be teenagers, as adults who've lived a couple decades, we're like, I am running out of time. I have to get this right. This kid who's running around on a beach saying hella and doing stupid shit, there's our first four letter word, with his friends is going to be released out into the world in a couple of years. It's a little, it's a little crazy making, which leads us to this wonderful episode that we are going to present to you today is another listener Q&A, but this one is focused on tweens and teens and, you know, our Facebook groups, yours, Building Boys and mine, Boys Alive, they are so generous with their questions. So we have lots of questions to respond to. And the first one is from Miriam. And I think this just covers so much. A very simple question, very, very deep question. And that is, how do you find balance between keeping the bond strong and giving them freedom? Super question and really insightful. The longer I've done this, I could not have said this probably three boys ago. But having gone through this a couple of times now, ironically, probably the best thing you can do to keep the bond strong is to 
give him as much freedom as possible. When he is asking for freedom, when you see he's looking for more freedom, it might be hard on your mama heart to let him go and do more and more things alone. But when he sees and senses that you are respecting that need for independence, that engenders feelings of closeness for him. Wow, I got to just wrap my head around that for a few minutes. Mm -hmm. It is. It's that push-pull. And Terry also asked a question around this, too, of how do, how do you find that balance between also holding them accountable and staying involved, letting him make mistakes? And at 14, do I need to let go completely? I want him to be independent, but not, not miss opportunities to help him grow and develop. And she asked if that makes sense. And we're like, e yeah, I'm tempted to use Hella, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> you just did. Yeah. So what do, what do you have to say for our listeners, Jen? You know, you definitely don't need to let go completely at 14. At 14, he can certainly do many, many, many things. And I think that the more you let him do and take on responsibility for himself, the more effective that accountability piece becomes. So for instance, school is a huge issue for many boys and their parents, especially around this age, right? It is very scary for parents to release control of homework and grades to their boys. Because we as parents are like, I know that you need to do well in this math class so you'll understand this other math class because if you ever want to go to college, you need these grades. So you can see all of that. At 14, he's just thinking about what he's going to do tonight. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Maybe. And so that's frustrating for parents. We do have the ability to you know, look forward and plan for the future a little bit more than our 14-year-olds do. But the lessons don't matter if we are imposing them. Exactly. So as much as his grades seem like a big deal to you, in the grand scheme of life, they are really not. So I think 14 is a great age to totally, and I mean totally, release control over his homework and his grades. He does it or he doesn't, and then he experiences the consequences. I totally agree. And I want to say to our listeners, this is a progression. You know, at 12, you're going to let go a little bit. At 13, you're going to let go a little bit more. And at 14, it's going to be, okay, here's the reins. Go, baby. And let me just stop for a second there. Because if you haven't done that at 12, at 13, it's okay to start it at 14. Start yes. gradually. You don't have to go, you know, from zero to you're on your own, kid, overnight. Right. And the thing is, you know, remembering that our boys' brains are still in formation. There are times when parts of their brains are offline and they need, they need, they still need a safety net. So you're not going away completely. And you're there as more in an advisory capacity than as the person telling them what they need to do next. So it mm -hmm. is that gradual stepping back, stepping back, but you're not stepping away. 
And I, you know, again, we, we've talked about this before, Jen, of being the potted plant of parenting and you're still around and you're open and available for advisory conversations. And, you know, if you're struggling with how to get it all finished by Friday, hey, let's check in. I'm here to help. I'm not here to do or manage for you. That's on you. When we talked with Joshua Wayne a couple episodes ago, he talked about how at this age, it is so important for parents to have a seat on their child's board of directors. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want you to think about. You are not the CEO of the company. Your son is the CEO of his own life, but you are part of that advisory board and your job as a parent as Joshua Wayne told us, and, and I'll include the link in the show notes, is to earn and keep your spot on his board. And one of the ways you can do that is by respecting his budding need for independence. Yeah, and I think in this too, we need to touch on Brooklyn's question of, uh, she says, can you speak to attitude? because you may be getting some attitude (laughs) from your boy right about now. She said, I have a son who has always been a bit attitudinal. Now the bar is raised and I'm wanting to find the balance of tolerance, knowing some of this is normal and also holding a line around the way others are treated. And so this again ties into this place of letting go, but also advising and guiding in a little different fashion. So every parent needs to wrestle with this question on their own. Different families have different expectations for language, for how we show and demonstrate respect. Your expectations for how your son treats you may be different than for how he treats friends. And that's fine. There's wide variation here. One thing that I have done that other parents might find useful, I realize as my boys get to be teenagers, I can't control how they speak to me. I can't control what words they choose to say and I cannot control how much attitude it comes out of their mouths with. But if they talk to me in a very disrespectful way and they choose some language that was not in their best interest, I don't need to give them a ride to whatever the thing is that they were wanting to do next. So I can kind of set my boundaries at if you want and need my assistance and help for things, which at this age, they most certainly will, Mm -hmm. then this is how I need to be treated. Mm -hmm. And when you talk to me in any other way, and this is the very difficult part, parents, it's very easy to get triggered and to yell back and to escalate the whole thing. It's more effective if you can take a deep breath and walk away. In so many ways, teenagers are like the little ones, Janet, right? Like a little one throwing a temper tantrum, attention will feed it, ignoring it over time will stop it. Yeah. What do you think about uh, behavior, attitudes, dealing with attitudes and, and respect? You know, that the word attitude brings back some not so fond memories of my childhood because when I was probably, I don't even know maybe maybe 8 to 18, the <laughs> thing that my parents used to criticize me about was my attitude. And so I would hear things like, you need to change your attitude. You need to have a better attitude. 
attitude, attitude. I'm over there going, what the heck is attitude? I didn't even know what they were talking about because I was just being me. And however I was, that was how I was. I didn't know how to change. So this calls attention to the words we use. Yes. And do our kids actually know what we're talking about? So you can rail on your son all you want about his attitude, air quotes, but does he actually know what you're talking about? And so that's an opportunity which my parents never took to tell me, oh, when you do this, or when you say this this way, or when you're, I, oh my God, they used to always criticize my posture, you know? So when my shoulders were slumped or, you know, oh, <laughs> I did not think I would be diving back into my childhood today, but they never gave me information that I could bite into and go, oh, it's that. Oh, I see now my the effect I'm having on other people mm -hmm. or the effect that these words are having. So parents dive into it and give your son something to chew on. And being super literal and explicit about that will be even more important if you have a kid who has ADHD, if you have a kid who is on the autism spectrum, because of yes. a big word like attitude that sort of has this foggy meaning, it's not going to cut it. You need to be very concrete and mm -hmm. explicit about what you want to see mm -hmm. and what you don't want to see. Yeah. Yeah. With more emphasis on what you want to see. Yes. Because and when you tell them what you want to see, this is how you greet adults. This is how you answer the phone. That's kind of old fashioned, but you know, oh my God, I'm really back in my childhood today. <laughs> oh baby. But when you tell them what you want, and, and again, as you said, so explicitly, like more than we would think as moms, especially break it down into little tiny steps and coach them. Again, it's that place where they don't actually know this. We have to coach them and guide them. I'm going to also remind you when it comes to your teenage son's attitude that as crazy as this sounds, often he doesn't know what exactly is going to come out of his mouth or how it's going to come out of his mouth until it happens. Remember, they are going through these massive changes. They are going through brain reorganization and hormonal surges and their mood swings. And moms, listen, I know that a lot of you are with me. Our moods are swinging right now too. So that is nature being just mean, Janet, yeah, that, yeah. that moms can be going through perimenopause and menopause at the same time. Their kids As are teenagers. Teens. <laughs> Sorry. I try and take some of this in, in stride. Some of these are just waves that happen and it might not even really be expressing, you know, how he feels. It could be something bad happened outside on the sidewalk before he came in the house and you asked a totally innocent question, do you want a snack? And something comes out with sounds like attitude. He's going to learn how to get control over that as these yeah. years go on. Yeah. And I do want to point out here too, that many, many boys who are feeling anxious, who are feeling depressed, who are feeling overwhelmed, will express that as anger. And it's not, but it's what they've got. And so again, it's like, you want to pay attention 
take some of it with a grain of salt. Let it just roll over you. And there's a place where, you know, stop the disrespect that, mm-hmm. you know, you have to have, as you said, those personal boundaries of this is, you may not speak to me this way. And yet recognizing this absolute whirlpool that your son is in, in these ages, so much going on. And then at a pandemic, I mean, come on. Right. And it's, add in the fact that we're in our own whirlpool at the same time. Yeah. So Parents, you this know, is tough. It's so tough. It's so tough. And so part of it is if you can separate out what is just normal teen tween behavior and you can kind of go okay that's you know this is we're gonna move through this stage it's okay can kind of give you a sense of normalcy can i say that word in 2020 (laughs) yeah i think you can because as crazy as our world seems i have to say that teenagers are remarkably consistent there you go consistent and resilient too Let's put that in there. Yes, they are. So our teenagers' um, seemingly erratic behavior is very consistent, very normal. Um, They are awfully resilient. I have been, I think in a lot of ways, our kids are handling this better than many of us adults are. I hear from parents all the time how bath time can be such an ordeal. And yet bath time can be really fun. In fact, here in the very cold winter, We use bath time as an activity. Dabble and Dollop has got this dialed in because they have bath products that are not only natural, healthy, free of toxins, all the things we want for our kids, but they're fun. Jen, you said when your boys were young, they loved to make potions. My son, Tyler, had so much fun mixing things together, making potions, recipes, He would have loved Dabble and Dollop's Day at the Beach bath mixing set because it's a collection of soap scents and a little mixing thing and your kids can combine scents and make their own creations. It is exactly the kind of thing that can turn bath time into a fun, enjoyable creative endeavor instead of just a fight. And I will say the bubbles have been bow tested in the bathtub and they last. They stay bubbles for a long time. Dabble and Dollop has everything from bath time shampoos, bubble baths, body washes, conditioners, lotions, bath bombs, bath toys and accessories. There's so many things to explore at Dabble and Dollop. Go to dabbleanddollop.com slash onboys to get 20% off your first order. That's dabbleanddollop.com slash onboys, 20% off for being an onboys listener. What an oxymoron. Consistently erratic. (laughs) (laughs) Teenagers. Oh my goodness. What about, Stephanie asks, what about those very quiet teen boys? How do I get my very quiet teen boy to talk to me about anything? Well, I'll tell you what not to do. What are you thinking? Hey, what's going on? What'd you do after school today? Hey, what's, so like asking a million questions will not work. Will not work. Uh, Your best bet is to be there. Put yourself in his orbit sometimes. 
he may decide to talk. More often than not, he won't decide to talk, but maybe one out of 10 times, he will. And here's the thing. When you're with your son and you're quiet, this is counterintuitive to every, almost every female on the planet that you can actually be, some, be with someone and feel close to them without talking. Because we engage, we, we do our relationships through a lot of talking, mm-hmm. typically. And so it's actually a really good exercise for you. Be in the car and just be quiet. Go out for ice cream and just be quiet. And he actually is feeling connected to you in that quiet, in that reserved space that is uh, comfortable for him. So if you're trying to always pierce the bubble and like, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, he's going to move further away from you. So when you can calibrate to his style, and it sounds like you've got a very reserved, quiet teen boy who's probably got a lot of thoughts going on in his inner life that you are not privy to, and that's okay. But you know, if you're there and you're just energetically with him, he may start opening up. I think some important homework as part of this equation is to pay attention quietly, unobtrusively to your son and, you know, kind of notice what interests him and what excites him and make sure that you are conveying through the words you choose, through your body language that you admire and you accept those interests. Because when our boys sense disapproval or anger on our part or resentment on our part towards the things that they like to spend their time on, a wall goes up and you will not be able to penetrate that wall. That's so brilliant, Jen. You're such a good mom. (sighs) Yeah. It's on most days. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think I'm a pretty good mom all days, but here's the thing with parenting teenage boys, right? You can tell me that, you can see it, you can know it. I want to hear it from my boys. Of course, they can't tell me that right now because they are in the middle of this and I have to be the old person that they fight against and make fun of to get to the stage where at some point they'll be able to realize how wonderful I am, right? Yeah, and you and you can you are you have told me and you're starting to see it already of your older boys circling back and being appreciative and being and recognizing how much you've how good of a mom you are and how much you've done for the family and so, you know, to all of our listeners who are just so frustrated with their 14, 15-year-olds, there's those glimmers of how they are going to be a man. Oftentimes, it's when they're out of the house and they're with other people and, you know, auntie will say, oh my gosh, he's so amazing and he was so helpful with the little ones. And that's the gold. That's like, you know, you're doing a great job and that's going to circle back around to you when he's... 28 when he's 30 and you are going to have this amazing adult that you'll just be in awe of and i can say that because i have 30 something year olds and it's amazing and it will happen they will circle back a parenting win from yesterday yeah and this is a shorter shorter term win and um moms who are listening you may be able to use this in a letting go exercise too So the situation at home yesterday was there wasn't a lot of food in the house. Now, 
nobody's going to starve. We do have bread. We do have peanut butter. We have eggs. Nobody's going to starve. But we were low on supplies and truly did need to go grocery shopping. I did not have time. I had a busy day yesterday, and I knew today was going to be worse. My 20-year-old, recently turned 20-year-old, is, is home. He's doing college online from home right now. He was around yesterday, and he's always like my first kid to complain. There's no food in the house. He's 20. He's got a driver's license. He's got a vehicle. So I said to him, Tyler, I know we need food. I don't have time to go. If you go to the grocery store and, and go shopping, I will give you my credit card. Well, mom, yeah. Now listen, my husband said to me, are you sure you want to send a hungry teenage boy to the grocery store with your credit card? <laughs> and I said, yes, I am. Part of it is over the years, I took these boys grocery shopping many, 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 many times. During our homeschooling years and my stay at home years, I mean, I had to, I couldn't go without them. Tyler learned how to read a couple words off of his grocery list, mm -hmm. corn, bread. Mm -hmm. It's been a lot of years since he went, but I sent him and he did a great job. He brought home a lot of the things that are essentials for us now. And he learns real world lessons. He comes home and he's like, since when did breakfast cereal get so expensive? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much been $6 a bag for a while now. But those are the kinds of real world experiences that help our boys mature and help our boys grow. And this was a parenting win because I got my kid to do something that I didn't have time to do. And here's why it worked, because I played into something he wanted, food. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> and I released control. There were a couple yeah. things that we definitely needed on the list, you know, bread, whatever. Other than that, I seriously let him go. Sweet. And he did a great job. Yay. Yeah. So now he's got a new task, huh? Um, I don't know that it will last forever, but I'm <laughs> going to take my one win when I got it, Janet. Go. Take that one win. All right. Well, congratulations. And that's awesome. And it is those moments when you see all the work, all those trips to the grocery store finally coming to fruition. So that's so cool, Jen. And I want to remind, before we tackle one more question, you know, there's no simple answer to any of these. Right. None of our parenting questions, it's do this one thing and the problem is solved. It is many little steps and little interventions over years and yep. then suddenly you realize you're on the other side mm -hmm. yeah well shall we tackle screens social media and porn we have questions about all of those topics. sure sure we'll quickly tackle those okay. topics let's just skim right through those sure yeah and this goes back to again what we talked about in the beginning about you know when do you let go and give them their independence. Mary asks how to help them through obsessions with their phones and social media, especially when they're when they are older, 16 and above. There is <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm reading Jean's question. Two things. How to deal with the constant attempts to search up girls in bikinis wherever and whenever he can. If the uh, results were even somewhat tasteful, I would be okay with it. But wow, one step from porn in most cases. You know, let's stop at that one because that is huge. And I can't remember even what it was. Um, this morning, my husband looked something up and I'm telling you, it was not a terrible thing 
but the first website that came up that we clicked on, there was some very explicit content going on over here in the sidebar. Oh yeah. And so it is scary as a parent. Like I don't have a, have a problem with a tween boy looking up pictures of girls in bikinis. That is innocent and that is normal. But the scary thing is that you look up girls with bikinis and you are Sometimes you're not even one click away from hardcore porn. Yeah, yeah. So girls in bikinis, my friend, our friend, Amy Lang of Birds and Bees and Kids will be the first to say, and this goes for your 10, 11, 12-year-old if they're showing interest, Sports Illustrated Bathing Suit Edition, buy it, leave it in their bedroom. Damn it, why did I not get that tip years ago? I know. Our school, like so many, we would do magazine sales, you know, as fundraisers. And you could get Sports Illustrated with or without the swimsuit edition. And I always opted for without because I was all like, you know, objectification of women. But you're right. Like Sports Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition is better than all the crap they can stumble into online. Yeah. Yeah. So it's okay. And, you know, of course you're going to have all the conversations with them about the objectification of women, but bottom line, boys are visual. They need some visual input. So that's a very low risk, Mm -hmm. tangible. And I think the next step that is important for parents to talk about, and um, we've had Joe Langford, another friend of ours here on the show, talking about apps and social media safety. You want to look into um, blocking software, blocking controls for your Wi-Fi, for your computer. I am not an expert on that, but that information is out there. You want to, so that when your son searches up girls in bikinis, or sex. I mean, it's very normal to Google the term sex that some sites are getting blocked right away. Some filters are filtering things out. And you have to, way younger than you think you need to, you have to talk to your sons about porn because they will find it. Let me rephrase that because it will find them. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It will find them. It will find them through, you know, oops, I just clicked on something. Um, or it will find them from, oh, older older brother of said friend has this, you know, has a have smartphone you, and hey, here's this. And have you heard about that there have been like Zoom calls, classroom Zoom calls, including a kindergarten orientation somewhere in the country that was spammed with porn? I'm not surprised. I am not surprised. So yes, it will find them. Keep this in in context though, right? That probably won't happen. It happened to one kindergarten class. Yes, it can happen. Yes, it's horrible. Again, the messaging that we get across as parents is what's most important. So you want to get across to your son that it is totally normal and okay to want to look at girls in bikinis. And yes, women are beautiful. Women of all kinds are beautiful. You work in over years in conversations, objectification Mm -hmm. versus appreciating somebody's personality. You talk about um, your values for sex and for sexual relationships. Mm -hmm. And you in conversation, again, over years based on movies, TV shows, things you see when you're driving in your car, talk about, you know, what real sex looks like 
versus what porn displays sex as. What's really important for good sex versus what porn and movies and music will tell you is important. We'll put in the show notes a, it's about a 20 minute movie about porn and how it affects expectations around sexual relationships, porn addiction. There's a couple men on there talking about their relationship to porn as 14 year olds. And I think it's a really, really important film to watch. So, and, and with your 14, 15, 16 year old, you should totally watch it. Watch it first, but then you can watch it together. He'll be horrified, but um, it's really, you know, it is men talking about how this has affected their sexual performance and uh, it's, it's important. So we'll put it, put a link in the show notes. I'm looking forward to watching that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. So bottom line, if your son is looking up girls in bikinis, just get the magazine, like make it subtle, just stick it in his bed. Like you don't have to go, Oh, look, honey, what I bought at the store for you (laughs) or what I ordered online for you. Just like slip it in there and, and just don't even say a word about it. And he'll, he'll feel your support from a distance. I love that. I, oh, I wish I'd thought of that years ago. Yeah. So now we do have to mention Alicia's question about how to discuss the imminent arrival of wet dreams, how to explain to them what to expect. I was thinking about making sure my son has an extra pair of sheets in his room and knows how to do laundry so we can keep it discreet if slash when it happens. I'll say when it happens. Probably. I just want to say first, I think that extra sheets idea is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, because mm-hmm. frankly, wet dreams or no wet dreams, great oh, for yeah. him to know how to do his laundry and make his bed. Yeah. And this is another place where you start when they're seven and they start doing their laundry. And then rather than, oh, honey, now you're having wet dreams. You must learn to do your laundry so you can take care of your sheets. That's not going to go over so well. So you just have it in the flow of this is growing up and now you got to take care of this. Do we know? I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> like, what is an average age? What's an average age for starting wet dreams? Is it like 11 or something? Jen, I raise girls. I have no idea. I think it's probably, I mean, so, so Jen and I are guessing, we don't know factually what the average age of first wet dreams are, but I would say around 11 or 12. My point is you want to talk to your boy before that, just like you do not want your daughter to be surprised when her period shows up. Mm -hmm. You don't want your son to wake up in the morning wet and sticky and thinking he peed the bed. Yeah. That is a far more horrific experience for say an 11 year old boy than realizing I had a wet dream. Which oh. is kind of cool because it's it's a step on the way to maturity. And you can yeah. kind of frame it that way. Yeah. It's normal. Um, everything's working. This is going to happen. And parents, I got to tell you, even if you put that clean set of sheets in his room, he may well opt to not put them on the bed and just throw the covers up and call it good enough. Be okay with that too. Yeah. Let it go. I feel like let it go should be our theme song. I know. We should work up a little video around that, huh? No, we should not. <laughs> we will not put that in the show notes. You are welcome. 
So back to the original question around the phones and social media, you know, again, it's those, it's that progression, that continuum of when they're 10 and 11, you've got tight parental monitoring software on their, all their devices. And then it's the conversation and it's like, okay, now I think you're, you can be responsible. Yes, we can add this app. Okay, now we're going to, you know, back off on the monitoring software a little bit. And it's just a progression. He feels your trust. He may blow it. That's okay. That's going to happen He too. will blow it. It's a yes, lot better. He will. Approach all of these teenage issues with the assumption that he will blow it. He mm-hmm. will make mistakes. Um, whatever your expectations are, he will fall short. If you set rules, he will break them. It's yeah. part of the process. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Good point. And you're going to be so calm and neutral and loving <laughs> and patient when that happens. <laughs> you know, we're, we're laughing because, of course, it is impossible to expect that of yourself all of the time. Guess what? You are going to fail, too. You are going to lose it. And you can still be a good mom. That's normal. It's okay. You can go back. You can repair. And nobody specifically asked a question about this. But to me, the key to all of these questions, to handling all of the issues that our teenagers throw at us, self-care is crucial. Managing your own stress levels, your own energy, and your own emotional responses. For one, we're role modeling that for our kids, but more importantly, it is the only way we can stay sane and try and approach these things from as calm a place as possible if we take care of ourselves. And that means getting enough sleep as much as possible. It means getting outside. It means moving regularly. And it means making time for the things that feed our souls and our Mm -hmm. passions. That's not Mm -hmm. selfish. That is survival during the teenage years. Yeah. Oh, dear listeners, we have still so many more questions from you. And one big category is friendships. And we will be addressing that in a separate podcast. I hope that you have found some comfort, some solace, some recognition in our listeners' questions and that you will continue to ask. And you can do that in Jen's Facebook group, Building Boys, and in my Facebook group, Boys Alive. And of course, you can always reach out directly to either one of us. You can find contact information and the show notes at our website on boyspodcast.com. And you know, if this has been valuable to you, if you've maybe just brightened and lightened a little bit from hearing some of our answers, share this with a friend. Tell them, hey, check out that On Boys podcast. And here's another thing. If you really love us, go to, go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. That would be amazing. We would really appreciate that. We would appreciate that a lot. We so appreciate your support and we can't do this without you. So thank you for trusting us. Thank you for sharing your questions. Thank you for allowing us into your lives. Thanks for joining us today. This is On Boys, real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. 
We are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net and Janet Allison of boysalive.com.